Good morning, everyone. This is the Theology Central Podcast. It is Saturday, December the 11th, 2021. It is currently 10.10 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Empty Sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, I am going to talk about some things this morning that I know I probably should avoid. For some reason, I have a tendency to get myself in trouble because I won't color within the lines, right? It's like I'm, it's like I'm that child sitting in the classroom. The teacher gives everyone that picture to color. And they're, here's your crayons. Here's the picture. Color, right? And, and, and the picture is already there. All I have to do is color it, right? I don't have to draw it. The picture is there. I, all I have to do is just color it in. And everything's going great. The teacher walks by and says, oh, look, that's look, that's that looks wonderful. Great job. But as soon as the teacher walks by, I say to myself, you know what? I don't want to color within these lines. Why, why did they put these lines here? I'm going to color outside the lines. And then I just start coloring all over the place, all over the page, right? I don't even worry about where, what the picture is anymore. I just start coloring everywhere. And then the teacher walks back by and go, what are you doing Stay within the lines. You're not supposed to go outside the lines. You're supposed to color inside the lines. That has always been my mentality. Sometimes it's a strength. Sometimes it's a weakness. And sometimes, well, it it cost me greatly. I've talked about before how I was kicked off Christian radio for not coloring within the lines. And I've always seemed to have run into problems sometimes within the church or within Christianity because sometimes I won't color within the lines. And what do I mean about that? I'm not saying that there aren't theological lines that we have to stay within. Obviously, I believe in doctrine, theology. I believe in the scriptures. So I understand that there are some lines that we cannot cross out of, I, you know, that we cannot color outside of. I understand that. I can't deny the deity of Christ, the Trinity, the inspiration of scripture, salvation by grace alone through faith alone. I definitely understand that. But within that framework, I think that we should ask lots of very important questions, a lot of tough questions. And even when we're studying the Bible, we should ask a lot of difficult and tough questions that many people will perceive. And in and, and, and a way, it is coloring outside of the lines. And it, it's coloring outside of the lines as far as what Christians will accept or tolerate. So I'm going to ask some tough questions about a very horrific situation And it's going to make some people very uncomfortable and they're going to perceive it as he's coloring outside of the lines. He's calling things into question. He's challenging things. And I know that I'm probably going to lose some subscribers. I know I'm going to probably lose some listeners. And I don't I don't want to lose subscribers or listeners. Obviously, no, no podcaster wants to lose that. But at the same time, if asking tough questions causes me to lose listeners and subscribers, well, then that's the cost I'm willing to pay because it has to occur. There's, a, there's been a theme. If you, if you listen to my podcast or if you listen to my preaching, there's a theme. And I say this to the people in my church every time, that I do not want church answers. When certain things happen, the, the church 
when I say church answers, it's either the when you ask a question, they just give this answer and it's the church answer. It's not it may not even really reflect how they truly feel or how they truly think. It's just they know that's what they're supposed to say. And when tragedy occurs, listen to me carefully, when great tragedy occurs, there is just certain things the church will say, that Christians will say, it becomes the church answer. Oh, great tragedy happened. Let me say this, right? Oh, a horrible tragedy happened. We will pray for you. A horrible, well, we'll send our prayers up for you. We will pray for you, praying for you, and, and we'll throw out a lot of little cliches, a lot of little statements, and it's just something we know we're supposed to say, and everyone feels comfortable with that. If you raise your hand and ask some tough questions about those, well, church answers, those little church cliches, people get upset and get bothered. But I'm going to ask some tough questions. I'm going to make us really think and challenge us about something that we typically say in light of great tragedy. And the reason I'm talking about this this morning, the reason I'm willing to color a little outside of the lines here is because here in the United States of America last night, well, there has been some tragedy, some devastation, some destruction and death, and we need to talk about it. Last night, December the 10th, 2021, devastating storms ha- happened across uh, parts of the United States of America. Now, for me, it, this all started yesterday afternoon. In fact, I think I was on the air doing a live broadcast when I got a notification from the Fox Weather app saying, hey, tune in live as we begin our coverage of what's going to be a very possibly very devastating night of severe weather. We'll be doing live coverage all evening and you can watch it on the Fox Weather app. So I I started getting those notifications yesterday afternoon and now I'm here in, in Texas and none of the, we were not in any threat, but I was, you know, I still, I get notifications for everything on my, my phone and my iPad. So I knew storms were coming, um, but I knew they weren't anywhere near here. But, you know, I still was trying to keep up a little bit of what was going on and what was what was about to unfold. And then later in the evening, I cannot remember what time uh, my daughter, who, who works for uh, American Airlines, she she ended up in St. Louis last night. Uh, and then she was going to obviously stay in a hotel and then be flying out. I, I think she had an early flight this morning 4 a.m., 5 a.m., I can't remember, but she was in St. Louis. And so I get a, a, a basically a video from her. She's in her, her hotel, and then she, she's play, she's, the video captures the audio that's being announced overhead in the hotel telling everyone there's a tornado in the area, take cover immediately. So we heard from her. Then we didn't hear anything for a very long time, and we kept trying to get in contact with her. But everything was okay. She was fine. I don't think uh, I don't think there was any damage or anything in the area where she was in St. Louis. But I knew okay things are going on. And then I just kept getting notification after notification of of all the severe weather that was taking place in different parts of the United States of America. I think uh, Arkansas, Kentucky. Tennessee, um, I, th- I think I think there was a number of other states. It, it was just a, it, it turned out to be a very devastating night. Just to give you a sense 
of what occurred. I'm going to play a part of a news broadcast. This is uh, from NPR News. This was the is the most up to date newscast because they uh, they have a podcast that re- does a news update every hour on the hour, which I subscribe to. Uh, I subscribe to a lot of the hourly news podcasts because I like to keep up with what's going on in the world. And this is the one that was released uh, maybe about 17 minutes ago. Um, so it's very, or maybe a little longer ago. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but this is the most current one I could find. So uh, I'm going to play this for you. Uh, and just so that you get a sense of what happened. Some, I know we have listeners from all over the world, Australia, Germany, Japan. We've got people from all over the world. So you may not know exactly what occurred. So I'm going to play this for you so that you have an idea of what was go, what happened last night. And then I'm going to start, well, coloring outside the lines. And, well, asking some very tough questions. And, and I don't want this to make you uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form. I don't. And this really, this, these hard questions, let me make it very clear. If you are a Christian listening, these are hard questions for you as a Christian to consider. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, you probably already asked these hard questions. You probably ask these questions anytime people within the church give you our little church answers. You probably roll your eyes, mock us, and ask these questions. And probably you've asked these questions, and many Christians get either uncomfortable or they try to offer some kind of argument that's not very satisfying. So to Christians, I want us to really think about it. To the non-Christians who may hear this, I want you to know that there's some of us within the Christian world who are willing to answer or not, well, how, how can I say this? Because I don't know if I have a good answer. We're willing to acknowledge the difficulty and willing to ask some of these tough questions that you're already asking, that you already think about, that you already don't, you, you that may even cause you to question and doubt Christianity. But I just want you to know within Christianity, there's plenty of us who understand some of the difficulties some of the issues that arise when tragedy strikes and that we are willing to struggle through it. Doesn't mean we always have good answers, but I'm willing to acknowledge I don't have good answers and willing to struggle and, and try to figure it out to the best of my ability. All right. So I hope, I hope that the, I think it'll be Christians who will get the most offended with some of the things I'm going to ask. And I think many non-Christians will be like, well, see, Exactly. I asked the same questions, but they won't be happy that I don't really have a good answer either. So I don't think anyone's going to be happy with what we're about to do, but we need to talk about it, especially this close to a horrible tragedy. We need to discuss it because these questions are in people's mind. We, we can try to avoid it. I think many Christians just try to avoid it and move on, but it, we can't. We have to talk about it anytime tragedy strikes no matter if it's a, it's a tragedy small in number or it's a tragedy large in number, whenever there's suffering, there's pain, there's death, there's tragedy, there's going to be questions. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be anger. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be issues that, get, that cannot be avoided. And so I thought I would start this morning off by not avoiding it, but facing it head on. And hopefully this will be beneficial. So here is the latest newscast from NPR. Again, I think I think this is from the one that dropped at uh, at about 10 a.m. So that's about 20 minutes ago. It may be the one from 9 a.m. I cannot be dogmatic, but it's definitely within the last hour or so. Here we go. 
Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. Storms swept across the Mid-South overnight, leaving a trail of destruction that could take many days to tally. Blake Farmer of member station WPLN in Nashville reports that storm system hundreds of miles long spun up deadly tornadoes. As the death toll mounts, it's already clear this storm is historic just from its sheer size. The tornado track through Kentucky alone is 200 miles long, says emergency chief Michael Dossett. It appears that this is going to be a quad state event, all out of the same system, uh, originating in Arkansas, through Missouri, Tennessee, and into Kentucky. While all four states have reported storm-related deaths, Kentucky appears hardest hit. The collapse of a factory in the town of Mayfield alone could be responsible for dozens of fatalities. And in some parts of the state, communications remain down. In Tennessee, more than 100,000 homes are without power. For NPR News, I'm Blake Farmer in Nashville. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir says last night was one of the toughest in state history. He says scores of people are believed to have been killed. We believe our death toll from this event uh, will exceed 50 Kentuckians, probably end up closer to 70 to 100 lost lives. Governor Bashir speaking before sunrise today as rescuers search for survivors at that candle factory in the hard-hit town of Mayfield. Bashir says more than 100 people were working there when it was destroyed by a suspected tornado. Pentagon spokesman John Kerr. Now that's horrific. I mean, you have destruction, you have devastation, loss of life. Probably around 100, if not more, when it's all said and done. Who knows how much devastation and destruction people now without homes. I mean, horrible situation. I know we have uh, at least one listener and well, we have more than one listener in Tennessee, but one who contacts me all the time and been listening for years. I hope everything is okay with him. I'm, I need to send him an email making sure everything is okay. If you are a listener to this podcast and you have been impacted by the storms, Please let us know that you're okay. Let us know what we could possibly do for you. We definitely want to hear if everything is okay. And obviously, I'm sorry for any destruction or any loss of life or injury or anything that may have occurred. Obviously, I feel horrible for everyone impacted. It it is a a definite situation. Okay, great. So our listener from Tennessee is saying doing fine in Tennessee. So that is good to know. Hopefully, Hopefully that is true uh, for as many people as possible, but we definitely know that for some, while yesterday was the end of their life, which is always very difficult. And not just that, at this time of year, now many of their their homes are destroyed. It's just a, a horrible situation. But whenever a type of tragedy occurs like this, we all know what is a very typical a thing that Christians will say. You, you, you've said it. I've said it. We've all said it. If there's a school shooting, mass, a mass shooting anywhere, we, we always know what we will say. Prayers are being offered up. We are praying for you. 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 It is just like built into the Christian DNA. It's what we're supposed to say. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Horrible thing happened. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for everyone. We're praying for everyone. We are praying for everyone. Now, many in the culture have grown very frustrated and tired of that reply, especially when it comes to school shootings. 
whenever we say, well, we're praying for all the people impacted, many in the world will say, you know what? Your prayers aren't doing anything. Stop it. And Christians get very, very offended and very hurt when people say that. But you have to at least understand their perspective. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask some very tough questions in regards to basically tornadoes, tragedies, and prayer. And I, I know this is going to be color, coloring a little outside of the lines, but just please listen to me. Even, even if you disagree with everything I'm about to say, at least understand that there's people in the world who are asking these very questions. And you may not like the questions. The church may want to hide from these issues, but we have to address them. So we're just going to face them head on. That's what we're going to do this morning. All right. So here we go. Whenever you and I as a Christian say that we will pray for you or we talk about prayer, we are acknowledging, we are giving some kind of, uh, you know, idea that these following concepts are true. Whenever, whenever we say, I'm praying for you, or I will pray for you, or I'm praying for that situation, we are acknowledging certain things are true, right? And I think all Christians will agree with this. We are acknowledging that God does hear our prayer, that no matter how many people are praying, no matter where we may be, no matter who we may be, God hears our prayers, so, so we all acknowledge that. I mean, I think that's a basic understanding. Why do you pray? Because you are acknowledging and believing and trusting that God actually hears your prayers. I think we can all agree with that. I think that's a basic concept. The second thing that we are acknowledging is that God can and at times intervenes into human history to answer prayer, right? I mean, because there would be no point in praying if we didn't believe God does and can intervene into situations, right? We're praying for you. We're believing that God then can intervene to bring peace or to, to make the situation better, to, to heal. Whatever the situation may be, we are, we are acknowledging that God can and does intervene. So we are acknowledging that God does hear, that he can hear and does hear, and that we are acknowledging that he can and at times does intervene into time, into human life, to, to answer prayer and to, to involve himself and to, to make a situation better. If we did not believe that, we wouldn't be praying, right? So we acknowledge God can hear. We acknowledge God can and will intervene at times. And then here's a big one. We also acknowledge that God has power to actually get involved and make the situation better. Not only does he intervene, we believe he has power to step in, to fix a situation, to make it better. Now, those are three big claims that God can hear, that God can and will intervene at times, and that God has the power to fix a situation, to make a situation better. Those are absolutely gigantic claims. But the, and, and those claims are very basic. There's nothing controversial about that. That's coloring within the lines, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still within the lines, right? So everyone's happy with this, right? Well, praise God. I can pray to a God who hears. I can pray to a God who can and will intervene at times. And I'm praying to a God who has the power to actually do something. That's why I pray. That's why all people should pray. Amen. 
Thank you for an encouraging podcast, Pastor. That was wonderful. That was great. I can't wait to hear what you do next. Well, the only problem is what I'm about to do next is, well, now I'm going to color outside the lines. I want you to think about this. Acknowledging those three things, I think, are very true. I think are very accurate. But they raise some serious philosophical questions that we have to address. All right, so here's a person. They just suffered a horrible tragedy, right? Maybe they just lost family members in a horrible storm. Or they're they're standing there looking at their home that's been completely destroyed with with maybe all the Christmas presents they, they bought. Everything is just totally destroyed. And you say, hey, I will pray for you. Now, just think about what we're saying. I'm going to pray to a God who can hear. That means God, this is a God who has knowledge, a God who perceives what is going on, right? So I'm going to pray to that God who knows, who can hear, who can, who can see. And I'm going to pray to that God who obviously knew and could see the storms develop. So I'm going to pray to the God now for you that that's the very God who knew the storms would, would develop who understood what was going on because by praying, I know that he can hear. I know that he can see. I know that's acknowledging that he has some ability to perceive and understand. So here's a guy who obviously would have perceived and understood the storms were developing and didn't do anything. Okay, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray to a God who I know can intervene to make your situation better. But I'm praying to the very God who obviously could have intervened to stop the storm, could have prevented the storm, but he did not intervene. So I'm praying to a God who knew, who understands, who could have intervened, but clearly with that knowledge did not intervene and the storms ripped across parts of the United States of America, leaving death and destruction. And then here's the third thing that I'm I'm saying, I'm gonna pray for you to the very God who knew, who could have intervened, who obviously did not, but I'm going to pray to the, to the God who has power. And I, now I'm going to pray that he will use that power to assist you. But it's the same God who had the power to stop it from ever happening. But he did not. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray to the God who could have stopped it from ever happening. I'm going to pray now that he will use his, he will intervene and use his power to make the situation somehow better, but he's the very God who did not stop it, who saw it, did not intervene, and did not use his power to prevent it or to stop it from occurring or, or, or even intervening, you know, hey, okay, the storm is forming, it's on its way, and then God steps in and makes it stop right before he gets to the city, right before he gets to your house. He did not do any of those things. So from, a, from the people, from the world's perspective, so you're going to pray to the very God who allowed this to happen. You're going to pray to the very God to now help me, but that very God didn't do anything to stop it in the first place. So why would the God intervene to help me now if he didn't intervene to stop it from happening in the first place? Obviously, if he didn't stop it, then it had to be a part of his will, had to be a part of his purpose. So why would he now intervene now? You can see why people in the world will ask these tough questions. And it make I, I, Christians hate to hear this, but we have to acknowledge this. The God we are praying to, 
on December the 11th is the same God who knew the storms would form, who did not intervene, and did not use his power to stop the storms from taking life and destroying property. Now, some Christians will do everything to say, well, I mean, either you run into a major theological error of saying God didn't know, or you begin to question God's power. Well, at that point, you begin to destroy the entire doctrine of God, and you basically are moving quickly to a form of of practical atheism. So that doesn't work. So some will say, well, okay, well, God didn't want it to happen. Well, if God didn't want it to happen, then why did it happen? <laughs> okay, right? Okay. So how do you, how do you work that? You, you have some, some very difficult questions to ask. And this all reminds me of a very important section of scripture, right? And I think we all know where I'm going to go. We're going to go to the book of Job because, well, what a, a, a perfect book to turn to when devastation and tragedy occurs. If you don't know the book of Job, clearly Job suffers horrible tragedy. There's death, there is destruction. And after he after he experiences the first round of destruction, he does this. Job chapter 1 verse 20. He experiences all this death, all of this destruction. His his first response is this. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The reason I absolutely love Job's response is not because I relate to it because I'm going to tell you if I'm standing there today in Tennessee, Kentucky, any of the states that were impacted, and I'm standing there and either my part of my family is dead or my all my property is destroyed, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I would fall down and worship the Lord. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I, I've stated it so many times. I'm just a sinner sitting in front of a microphone. I don't know what I would do. I'm just going to be honest with you. I know maybe that's not what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to be all super spiritual, but I'm not going to pretend. I don't know if I would fall down and worship the Lord. I think I would probably be weeping, yelling, upset, devastated. I don't, I hope at some point I would, would just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. I I hope I would do that. So, so I, I don't, I don't love this response because I can relate to it. I love this response, not, not necessarily because he fell down and worshiped the Lord, because I have a hard time even comprehending that. I love his response because he acknowledges that what has happened, God was involved in it. He doesn't deny God's involvement. I mean, look exactly what he says. So uh, he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't deny God's involvement. He, God somehow is involved in this situation. Job doesn't have a clue what's going on. Now we know if we go back, God set up the entire thing. Hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He sets up the entire thing. And not only does he set it up, he then gives and allows Satan the power to do the things he does. So God's in charge of it all. So Job theologically is absolutely correct. God is in charge. And that doesn't lead Job to say, well, if God, if God is in charge, well, then I'm not going to worship him. 
No, it leads him to acknowledge God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. Now, I know if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, you're like, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. I understand that. But either you believe storms just randomly happen. There's no meaning. There's no purpose in it. People suffer. People die. That's just the way it is. There is no reason. There's no purpose. That that may make you feel better. I know at the same time, there's major philosophical questions of saying, no, God was in charge. I know that people don't like to hear that, but but the Lord is in charge. I believe in his sovereignty. This this gets to his providence. And, and I think that there, there is a lot, I think a lot of Christians today, we see what's happening in the world and we we don't look at what happens in the world through the perspective of God is in charge. God bring, I believe in God's providence that all things occur according to God's goodwill and pleasure. I strongly, strongly believe this, this idea because anything else, well, then God is not in charge. And then, well, then, then you have all kinds of issues, but trying to acknowledge that it, it comes from the Lord that's not that's not easy to do you you don't want to believe that you because it makes you question god's goodness it makes you question it may you may may even question god's love for you but somehow that you have to realize that god is in charge and we may never understand his purpose or his plan let uh, this is very important to remember job is never given insight into why it happened He's never, he he questions God and then he's only bombarded with God then giving him question after question, which Job cannot answer. And then Job finally realizes, I'm not, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. I'm going to, I'm just going to stop talking. I'm going to shut up. I, I was foolish. But God doesn't say, okay, Job, let me explain what was going on. Let me explain to you my purpose. Let me explain to you my reason. If we think that God is going to somehow give you a, an explanation to what happened, uh, you're going to be sadly disappointed. But we have to somehow acknowledge God is in charge. I don't necessarily like that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't, I've suffered too many things in my life that I don't understand why. Why did that happen to me? I, but who am I? Who ultimately God is not in the business of giving me the answer. I love that Job acknowledges it's from God. To just drive this point home even more, um, after the second round of affliction and pain and suffering, and this time even Job himself is is struck down physically and having horrible, you know, these horrible boils and sores on his, his body. Uh, then Job's wife comes along and says, hey, curse God and die. Just curse God and die. End it. Just, st- this is, this is ridiculous. Curse God, die, and then you'll stop suffering. And then Job's words are absolutely, again, Amazing. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speak. What shall we, what shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? Once again, Job acknowledges that what is happening is from God and that God is to be worshiped when what we receive is good or what we receive is death, destruction, and something that appears to be horrific, God is to be blessed and worshiped. I know from a, 
a lost person's perspective, this is insane. This is crazy. But this is the biblical idea and the biblical concept. And the book of Job just drives this home. So when we say we pray for someone, at least acknowledge that we're praying to the very God who brought it about. We're praying to the very God who allowed it. We're praying to the very God who it may have served his, it's a part of his purpose and a part of his plan in some way, shape, or form. Now, we can get into all kinds of discussions and arguments about the sovereignty of God and what God allows and and how we understand his will. And, okay, well, you know, so did God directly do it or did God just simply allow it? And you you can try to make all of those distinctions. But the bottom line is God had a plan and purpose in it and allowed it to occur. Clearly, he didn't stop it. Clearly, he didn't intervene. Clearly, he knew it was going to happen. So clearly you have to say that God, and whatever, however you want to classify it and any distinction you want to make a part of God's will, theologians will will make all of those kinds of distinctions. And when I say theologians, all Christians should be theologians. So all of us will try to make these kinds of distinctions, but we're left with the exact same reality. We are praying to a God who obviously had a purpose in bringing what happened about and allowing it, it occurred. So, what should be the correct theological response? I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for someone. I'm not saying that. But we are praying for God now to intervene in the very situation he brought about. Now, what's interesting, and I just got to throw this out there, does Job pray for God to stop what is occurring? Now, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there, just throwing this out there. Or does he simply worship God and acknowledges, well, God brought this into my life. Does he petition God to stop? He questions God. He curses the day he was born. He, he is bothered. Then he spends most of his time trying to defend himself, you know, from, you know, the great, his great friends who accuse him of all kinds of evil. But it just seems odd that he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem, and we could go through there. There may be some times where he petitions God, but at least in the initial, in the initial, in the initial phase of this, instead of saying, Lord, please take this away, please fix this, he just acknowledges God brought it. And who am I not to receive it from God? If God gives it, I am to receive it. Blessed be the name of the Lord, I'm going to worship him. Now, from a theological perspective, um, someone who's listening, just put, uh, just uh, type this into the live chat. This may add to your point that God is involved in tragedy, Isaiah 45, 7. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Now, this is very important. Uh, I would uh, I would have to go back into Isaiah 45 and find context, but clearly whatever was happening to Judah or to Israel, God was the one bringing it about. God was the one in charge. God brings about good and brings about calamity. You can't just remove God from calamity because if you remove God from calamity, then there's something else operating outside of God's power, outside of God's control, outside of God's will. Therefore, you stop God being God and this other thing becomes God. Now that, I, I'm not saying you run around. Now, now you've got to listen to, please hear me out. 
I'm not saying you call someone up who's suffering and saying, hey, God did it. You worship God. I'm not, I'm, I am not saying that. I'm saying these are theological things we have to understand because sometimes we don't, we may not say something. Sometimes I think when we're trying to be sensitive that we don't realize how insensitive it may come about. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. My, for those who don't know, my mother died. What, she was 39, I think 39 years of age. Uh, I, was, I was, you know, teenager when she passed away. Tragic situation. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody, no, nobody knew it was going to happen. She was alive one day and basically gone the next, just like for sadly for all of those people. Yesterday, while I was here in this church doing live broadcast, there were all the, you know, 100 people in all those different states. Some of those people were going to work in those factories, whatever the case may be. They were planning their evening, probably making plans for the weekend or whatever the case may be, and now they're gone. I mean, they were living their life yesterday and today they are gone. They're now in eternity. And, but I'll never forget, my, so my mom was there, then next thing you know, she's gone. It was absolutely tragic and devastating. And I'll never forget being at the uh, cemetery, you know, and, and people were walking up and saying all of their, you know, again, trying to add words of comfort. But I, 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 don't, I don't think I said this to anyone at the cemetery. I don't think so. I probably said it to some Christians, uh, especially at, at church. And, and probably offended a bunch of people, but I was very upset. I was very mad, but I remember, you know, we'll, we'll pray for you. And, and, you know, God, God works all things out together for good. And, and, you know, it's all going to be fine. And so I think I remember saying something along these lines, probably mean, probably hurt somebody's feeling. I'm like, so, oh, so you want, you're going to pray to the very God who allowed my mom to die. You're going to pray to him. The very God who, who didn't do anything to save my mom. That's the God we're going to pray to. Now, I know that sounds mean and that sounds harsh, but I wasn't willing to color within the lines and play the little, okay, well, praise God. Let's, let's pray to the very God who allowed my mother to die. Yeah, that, 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 thank, thank you so very much for your great words of comfort. See, sometimes as Christians, we don't realize that maybe we, we got to be very careful what we say. Maybe sometimes it's better not to say anything. Maybe it's just sometimes better just to be there. Remember, Job's friends started off great. They just sat there with him. But we always feel like we got to say something. And I don't think sometimes our words are comforting or maybe they're comforting to some people. They weren't comforting to me. And I went through and you say, well, you sounded bitter. I was. Well, you, you weren't handling it in a very theological way. I agree. I was also a teenager, hadn't been saved very long. But I just want you to see that I understood. Now, wait a minute. So you're going to pray to a God who can hear you. You're going to pray to a God who can intervene. And you're going to pray to a God who supposedly has power to make my situation better. But that same God did not use his intervention abilities or his power, I don't know, to let my mom walk out of the hospital. When my father got cancer. He died. God didn't use his intervention abilities to stop the cancer. He didn't use his power to make it go away. I mean, I can, I can go on and on. I can go on and on and on. I have a, I have a seizure disorder with all kinds of neurological issues because of what happened to me when I was in the military. Now, in some ways, I'm grateful for what happened to me. I am. Provides me the ability to be right here doing, you know, being able to do podcasts and not having to have a, 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 another job. So I am grateful in many ways. 
But there's times I hate what it's happened to me. I hate all of the negative. I can't go. I could go days and days of all the horrible negative impacts it's had upon my life. I've prayed about it. But if I'm praying, I'm praying to the very God who knew it, who didn't intervene and who had the power but didn't stop it and could make it go away at any time. So I, I can pray to that God, but it's the very God who obviously wants me to have it. If he didn't, it would be gone. So how does it impact the way we pray? Now, this is the, now, now, I'm saying this for Christians. And again, don't run around throwing this in the face of lost people. That's ridiculous because what, what I want you to understand is that lost people ask these questions. See, if, if, you, if you've ever hung out on a, maybe a, a web discussion board with atheists or agnostics, they will ask these tough questions. They talk about, so wait, so you're going to pray to the God uh, for comfort after a school shooting, but that's the very God who could have stopped the school shooting. So what in the world are you, what? So now you're going to turn to that God to help us out? Well, we needed that God to help us out before all the kids got shot. And, and I know Christians don't like to hear that, but we've got to just acknowledge that's the thing that they're going to think. So I think from a theological, from a biblical perspective, at least for my own life, and I'm not, you can approach this any way you want. What I try to do first and foremost is one, acknowledge God deserves to be worshiped and praised no matter what has occurred. He deserves worship and praise. God deserves worship, not because of anything he will do for me, anything he will, could. God deserves worship because who he is. God deserves worship because of who he is, not because of, of how he responds to me. I've said it before. If I, if I was, if it was absolutely guaranteed that I was going to die and spend eternity separated from God in hell, even if that was absolutely guaranteed, God would still deserve my worship and praise because of who he is. It's not based on what he does for me, right? So I, I have to acknowledge God is to be worshiped. Number two, I have to acknowledge that God obviously allowed it and has a purpose in it, and I may never know what it is. So I, I acknowledge God deserves to be worshiped, and I have to acknowledge God allowing it and has a purpose in it. I have, I have to acknowledge that. And then three, I think the third thing I need to do is before I ask God to intervene, to remove the pain, or to fix the situation, I, I try to say something along the lines, God, help me Get from this what you want me to get from this. If it's supposed to help my sanctification, whatever, help me get what I'm supposed to get from it. I don't, I mean, never, I'm not saying help me understand it because I, there's no guarantee I will ever understand it. I try to, I try to say, okay, you deserve to be worshiped. Clearly you're involved just like Job. If I accept good from the Lord, I got to accept evil. I got to accept bad. I got to accept difficulty when I say evil. In other words, something that's very unpleasant and difficult. I've got to be willing to accept that. So I've got to acknowledge it's from God. But instead of immediately, because I think our first reaction is fix it, make it better, make it go away, resolve it. But wait a minute. He's the one who brought it. So what I need to do is, Lord, help me learn whatever I'm supposed to learn. Help me get whatever I'm supposed to get from it. If it's supposed to humble me, if it's supposed to purify me, if it's whatever it is, I don't, I may never understand, but help me get it. Now, I'm not saying that, that I'm not asking for God to reveal to me what the, the reason why, because I don't believe that's the way it works. 
I don't believe God is giving any revelation outside of scripture. I don't believe he's going to speak to me and tell me. I don't believe any of that. So I believe that what I have to do is just say, okay, Lord, let me learn from it. And have I learned from all of the difficulties and tragedies in my life? I haven't. I, I, I can't say that I've, I've learned in every situation, but, I, I, but I, I try my best that whenever it happens, I try to go, okay, Lord, just help me figure it out. I may be a slow learner. Help me figure it out. And, and how God works at times is absolutely just astonishing to me, right? For example, we can read, if we're reading in Genesis, the story of Abram, Abraham, uh, Sarai, Sarah. Um, it's absolutely fascinating to me that when Abram lies and says, hey, or t- tells Sarai to lie, go tell everyone that you're not my wife, you're my sister, because if, you, if they find out that you're my wife, they're going to kill me and take you from me. So you just play along. Go so she ends up in these situations where she could end up having relations with another man. But in some of those cases, God intervened and stopped it from happening. He did not stop Abram from having relations with Hagar. Well, wait, he stopped Sarai from being involved in that situation, but he didn't stop anything from happening to, to Hagar. And we, we know that Hagar obviously didn't even have any ability to give consent in that situation. She was basically a slave. So sometimes God intervenes in a situation to stop something from happening. And then he didn't stop David from committing adultery. So sometimes he steps in to stop a situation. And then sometimes he doesn't step in. Sometimes he steps in a situation to, to nope, that can't occur. That, 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 and, and he can step in in very dramatic ways, right? He can step in in very dramatic ways, not only in Abram's life, but it, it, look at in, in Israel's life. They're in captivity to Egypt. I think God stepped in and intervened in a pretty powerful way, bringing all of those plagues to ultimately bring them out of captivity. So he can intervene in very powerful ways to stop something, to go against what other people want. He can intervene. And then other times he doesn't intervene. And sometimes he's like, why didn't you intervene here and stop that from happening? Now, I'm not saying that we're like, well, God didn't intervene and stop my sins, so I don't bear any responsibility. I'm not saying that. We still bear responsibility. We're still held accountable. But we also have to then realize, okay, so I've sinned. I confess that sin, but God obviously could have intervened and stopped it. He did not. So what, what can I learn from it? God still deserves to be worshiped, but I have to understand that God is in charge. These are, these are tough lessons. And I wish I had some, you know, magic formula. Like, you know, I know many preachers can talk about these things and say, here's three beautiful points. And everybody's like, oh, okay. You had me a little worried there, but it all feels better. But it, there aren't three little points to make us all feel better. There really isn't. Now you say, well, you gave some points about what you do. I, I, well, I guess I, in a sense, that's not even three beautiful points to try to make it all better. That's just me acknowledging what I try to do. God deserves to be worshiped no matter what happens. I have to understand it's from God and I have to realize if since it's from God, there's got to be a reason in it. I'm not going to ask him to show me the reason. I'm just going to ask him to help me get whatever I'm supposed to get from it. And, and those are not really super helpful, but they're the best I can offer up in what to do. Just remember when someone is suffering, just think about what you're saying. I know you don't think about it. You're just like, well, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. Okay, great. 
And they're going to be like, so you're praying to the God who allowed this to happen, who didn't stop it happening in the first place? I really don't know if I want comfort from him. That's how a lost person may approach it. Now, as a Christian, we understand, okay, thank you, thank you pray for me, yes, you know. And, and But I walk away knowing, okay, you're praying for me, but obviously God wanted this to happen. So, and and in many cases, I wonder if we have a tendency to pray that we, now think about what I'm about, about to say here. I, I know this is going to sound crazy. I wonder at, at times, and I'm just sp- speaking this in our own lives. I'm not talking about praying for other people. I'm talking about praying for ourselves. I wonder at times, instead of embracing what God has brought into our life and trying to learn from it, we almost want to stop the process. We want, we want, we want to almost end, instead of embracing the process of what God wants us to learn from it, we just want to stop it. We almost try to mess it up. We break what we should be, instead of asking for it to go away, we should be embracing it and trying to learn from it. Maybe sometimes we're too quick, you know, because it's almost like we pray as if, hey, God, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this really bad thing happened and I need you to fix this and I need you to make it go away. But if God brought it into my life, should I be so quick to pray that it goes away? Because it may be the very reason that may be the very purpose God has for me for that particular time or for, for a particular season. Now, this gets into, I know, uh, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. Let me make it very clear. If we we, we talked about this in our, our study of Romans 8, God foreordained, it was predestined that Christ would suffer and die. At the same time, the people who crucified him are still considered evil and held responsible, even though Christ was ultimately offered up out because of God's preordained plan. So God's sovereignty is there. It doesn't negate man's responsibility. I know that's always hard to reconcile, but all I can say is God is sovereign. Man is responsible. That, that's that's the best I can come up. There's no easy way of reconciling that, and I don't think it's so easy to reconcile. Scripture just seems to indicate that. Hey, God, God offered up Christ. It's according to his preordained plan. However, the people who crucified him are still held responsible for their evil actions. And then that gets into secondary causes. And well, you can you can go read the London Baptist Confession or Westminster Confession of Faith on God's providence. And uh, you can see how that all gets into uh into the discussion, which can get very technical and very philosophical. I'm not saying it's not worth your time to study it. I just think at some point you've got to step back and just go, you know what? There's some of this I cannot reconcile. There's some of this I cannot understand, but I can understand this. God deserves to be worshiped no matter what happens. Whatever happens comes from God. I got to acknowledge that, not trying to blame everything else. And then just realize, you know what? I I, I got to try to learn from whatever God wants me to learn from this. And I don't know if you could hear outside, there's some car making all kinds of noise right outside the door. But um, hopefully that da- did not distract anyone. But it was extremely loud. Okay, so, all right. I, I hope that's beneficial. I, I, I see this is one of the situations I feel like I just need to keep talking. But the reality is I don't need to keep talking. The reality is you have to start thinking and struggling and living with it. And many of you have probably asked these questions forever in your life and struggled with them. And you're probably going, well, okay, great. You've asked the same questions I've asked and you've provided me no answers because I don't think there are any easy answers. Are there any easy answers in reading the book of Job? I'm always just baffled 
how everyone's like, what a wonderful story. I'm like, there's nothing wonderful about the story. It's horrible. Okay. It's horrible. And I, and I, and I know people get mad when I say that, but it's just like, that is just a crazy, I mean, there's death and destruction. Job suffers and suffers and suffers and suffers. When he finally asks God some questions, he gets bombarded with more questions. Job basically has to just shut up. He's never, nothing has ever explained to him. Nothing has ever revealed to him. And, and obviously the things he originally lost, that, those, especially as far as children dying, those children are not obviously restored to him. He may get other children, but he still, all of that initial loss remains actually, well, he lost it. So we, we always try to paint like, it's like by the time, by the time we get to the book of Job, it's like Christians come along and like cue, cue the Disney Channel music and let's let's turn this into you know a Hallmark moment and it's not a, it's not a Hallmark movie it's not a Disney movie it's real life someone who suffered and never truly ever understands why but he knew that it came from God he knew God should be worshipped and whatever he he definitely learned that he he can't. He, he definitely learned that he may never get the answers and he just needed to be quiet. So I guess he did learn some lessons from it. I don't know what else to say on this Saturday, December the 11th. I just know this, there are people suffering. By all means, you can pray for them. If you know someone who is suffering, just be there for them. Listen to their frustrations. Let them express their pain. Let them express their, their frustration, their, their anger. Let them express it without always being there to correct it and rebuke it. Let them express it. And then most importantly, instead of saying, I'm praying for you, how about just put, do what you can. Instead of saying, I'm praying for you, do something. I'll never forget. I'll end with this. I was in Tennessee. I don't even remember what year it was. I was in Tennessee and um, I, I got a notification from some, or I got a phone call. I didn't, I, I can't even remember. Uh, I don't even know what, I don't think I had a, any kind of electronic device to get a, a notification, but I use that terminology because we, everything today is a notification. But I get a phone call um, about some, that, that this local area had been hit with a devastating flood and that it was really, really, really bad and that people in the church had been impacted. And so when I finally get back from, from Tennessee back to Texas, someone who uh, attended our church at that time, I remember hearing that, that, you know, hey, their house was completely destroyed. And I remember walking up to their house and I'm like, what in the world happened? Everything, it was gone. I mean, they, they barely got out. Like, I mean, the waters just came rushing in so quick. They barely could e- even get out. It was crazy how bad the whole situation was. I, I, I can't go through all the details because, you know, I, I, this it could turn into a two-hour podcast. Let's just say their house was devastated. Their house was destroyed. And he was, the, the, the husband of the family was just completely overwhelmed, didn't know what to do. And it was, it was just, it was a bad, tragic situation. It was, it was very frustrating. And he, 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 he talked about some of his frustrations, and I'll never forget this. He said, I was standing here looking at my destroyed house, and a lot of people I knew who go to church and profess to be Christians stopped by and said, man, I'm sorry that happened. We'll be praying for you, and, he said, and then they drove off. And he said these words, I didn't need their prayers 
I needed their help. Now, thankfully, the, the men of this church, uh, and we, we, it took a long time, but basically some of the men of this church helped him basically completely, it, it completely fix the house and restore the house. And it took a very long time and a lot, a lot of work. Um, and, and, and one of the men who were involved in doing that is one of the men who basically helped uh, rebuild. Basically, he was in charge of rebuilding this building when our, our building got hit by a tornado. Um, so he put forth his time and his effort. I'm not saying he didn't pray for the individual, but instead of just praying, he did something. And sometimes we like to say, it's kind of what like James talks about. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm praying for you. Praying, praying you'll get some food. I'm praying you'll you'll get a new house. I, I'm praying. Sometimes instead of saying we're praying, how about we just do something? Instead of praying, listen to what I'm about to say. Instead of praying, how about be the prayer? Now, there's sometimes we, there's nothing we can do. There's sometimes there's nothing we can do. I mean, literally, sometimes it's, there's nothing we can do. And so all you can do then is maybe just be there. And I think the worst thing you can do is sometimes saying things that are actually more hurtful. There are so many people out there who have faced great tragedy and then tell these horrible stories of how people in the church responded, how people in the church acted, what the, th- what the, and they always remember what people said. And, and I, again, I'll never forget standing in front of my mother's grave and, and people just walking by saying like, and I know they didn't mean to hurt, but some of the things they said of just looking at them like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, like, just stop, talk, please just stop talking. Please just be quiet. Let me figure this out. Stop with your little Christian, you know, coffee mug slogans, your bumper sticker slogans. I don't need them. And life, the Christian life can never be lived with bumper sticker slogans, with coffee mug slogans. It can't be with your cliches. It's a complicated situation where there is the existence of an eternal God who's all powerful and all knowing, who's omnipresent. Yet there is the reality of pain, suffering, death, and tragedy. And trying to understand how to navigate the reality of a God and the reality of horrible tragedy is the never-ending process of living out your Christian life. Living out your Christian life is living between those two realities and trying to understand it and navigate it. And cliches and bumper stickers don't fix it. Little 15-minute devotional sermons that just offer a pretty picture and try to give everyone an easy answer, that don't help people. Now, maybe for some people, I, I, let me take that back. For some people, maybe it does help them. But for many of us who ask tough questions and don't like to color out inside the lines, we start coloring outside the lines, and at some point we get so fr- frustrated, we just want to throw away the entire paper and just want to walk away and say, you know what? I'm just going to leave all of you because you people are crazy and you're not helpful. You're actually hurtful. And I know that's not the intention of many Christians. They have good intentions, but they don't ever stop to think about all of the philosophical and theological implications of some of the things they say. Worship God, acknowledge whatever happens comes from him, good or bad, and realize 
and pray that you'll learn whatever lesson there is in it. I wish I had easier answers and better answers, but hopefully you'll at least appreciate the discussion and hopefully it will help you in some way, shape, or form. And if there's anyone out there who did suffer during the storm, I, I, I say this all the time. If there's something I can do, let me know. Yes, we're a small podcast, but I will do whatever I can to offer any kind of assistance that we can offer, whatever our ability can. And I will definitely bring whatever issues or concerns or problems you are facing to the attention of other people and see what we can do. That's, that's the best I can say. That's the best I can say, that I will do what I can. That, because that, to me, is that's the way to respond. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll be back on the air shortly. Everyone have a great day. And uh, for those who've been impacted by the storm, if you're hearing this, just let me know what I can do. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless.